Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word... We got to be careful of that. As saints, sometimes we can be good about loving each other, and then we can be annoyed with our non-believing neighbors. We can be annoyed with the the sinner people around us and not be as loving or as gracious. He says, hey, be careful how you walk toward those who are outside. Um, We are trying to be a good witness to those that don't yet know the Lord. Amen. Uh, we, we, hope that they, we hope they'll see something in us that will cause them to say, I, I want to join you. I want to be a believer as well. As Christians, sometimes one of the most difficult things to do is minister to others. We want the whole world to hear, but it's much safer to do our own thing and not worry about preaching. Today, Pastor Bill explains that you need to put your focus on sharing God's gospel. Let Him speak through you and change the world. No matter where you're at in life, Jesus wants to work a miracle in you. He always has been working for your good and wants you to flourish. Trust in Him and be transformed from the inside out. Now here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Thessalonians, chapter 4, as he continues his message, How You Ought to Walk. Our lives as believers, our walk, it ought to stand out from those who do not know God. He said again in verse 5, we should not be living in passion and lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. They don't even know the Lord. That's their excuse, but not us. That, it should be different for us because we know the Lord. Then he says now in verse six, that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter because the Lord is the avenger of all such as we also forewarned you and testified. So here he says, look, we should not defraud our brother in this. And here, here's the idea of defrauding your brother, right? If, if we walk in sexual immorality, um, we can be taken advantage of or defrauding someone. We cheat them of, of, of one of their relationship with the Lord. Um, if it's someone, I'm, I'm, someone's fornicating with someone that they're you know, marrying them, um, you know, that person was supposed to be saved up for somebody else. In that sense, you've defrauded a brother. Um, sometimes you have Christian couples that are fornicating together and Think about this, right? With the person that you would say you love, you're engaging in an act that damages their relationship with God. Yet you're saying, I love you. I love you so much that that, that I'm, I'm willing to do something with you that jacks up your walk and your relationship with the Lord. Real biblical Christian love would say, I love you so much, I'm going to abstain, though my flesh doesn't want to. I'm going to honor your walk with the Lord. Um, we're going to speed up our marriage date or whatever you got to do. Um, you know, that, 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 uh, when I, when I first sat down with my wife, um, and said, you know, we, we committed to get married. Um, I don't know what she was thinking, but she was like, well, you know, I'm about to finish school. And she had like three to five years. I was like, oh no, <laughs> no, no, no. Cause we were walking in purity. I said, no, I didn't know. I, I need a date. I can see within 12 months. I got 12 months maximum. Um, I think we got it done in a little less than that. But, uh, you know, I was like, ain't no way. We're not, we're not three to five years. No, 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 no. Uh, that's, that's, just un, that's unreasonable. I was 21 years old. Wasn't going to make it. So, um, you know, we got we, we to make, make good decisions about these things, right? So, uh, so moving on here, he says, um, we don't want to defraud each other. We don't want to defraud one another. And again, just consider that, that it's, it's a loving thing to say to someone, especially if we're, we're believers, we should only be uh, considering another believer. 
I'm going to honor your walk with the Lord. I want you to be solid with God. And if that means that we're going to repent of anything we've done, we're going to walk in purity because I want to honor God. And I, I, I think it also, it, it, it does something for the future of your relationship, right? If you walk in purity as a single couple, it says to your spouse that you're a man or a woman that is able to exercise self-control. You, you really do have convictions. Because later on, you think about this. Let's say you're a Christian couple and you guys are sinning against God all the time. And then y'all get married. Why would they think that you would be faithful to them? Right. You don't fear God. I know you don't fear God because I've been with you all this time. Your, your singleness is an opportunity to or the engagement period or whatever is an opportunity to display to your spouse. I fear God and I'm, I honor God. And I know that, you know, you know, you, that's not something you gonna have to worry about with me. I'm someone that's going to honor God in this area of my life. You could sow in security or you could sow in insecurity um, based on how you handle your relationships before marriage. So consider that as a Christian uh, that's in a, in a relationship uh, planning to get married. Um, God would have us to do that in purity. Now, I want to touch on a few other verses, but look at look at verses six to eight. And then um, he's going to give us purpose. There's a purpose for his command for purity. So we'll look at verses six through eight, and then I want to tie in a few other scriptures. So look at verse six. Uh, It says that no one should take advantage of or defraud his brother in this manner because the Lord is the avenger of all such. That's the first reason. I'll give you all four in just a moment. As we also forewarned you and, and testified, for God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but but God, who has also given us his Holy Spirit. So he gives us four purposes for the command for purity. The first one um, is because the Lord is the avenger of all such. God has said, look, I'm going to punish those who live in sexual immorality. That's we should remember that God says, I'll deal with that. that that'll be something that I I discipline. I punish eventually. So God is the avenger of all such. First um, Corinthians six eighteen talks about how that you know, any sin, any sin that a man does is, is sin. But sexual morality is a unique sin. It's a sin that you commit against your own body. Right. Um, so if you think about the things that you do with your own body, it says, look, you're, you're you're actually sinning against your own self when you get involved in sexual immorality. And I was pondering how that plays out. You know, for some people, it plays out in this way. Um, you open up doors that are difficult to shut. Um, for some people, they open up habits Um, You're sinning against your own body as you open yourself up to sexual sins. One of the reasons why we should abstain, why we should keep ourselves from uh, that's number one, because the Lord is the avenger of all such. The second reason uh, for the command for purity is for God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. So sexual immorality is inconsistent with who we are in Christ Jesus. It's just what God has called us to do and to be. It was inconsistent with everything God's called us to do, call us to be. God didn't call us to that. He called us to, to holiness. Right. And, and I want to say this. Right. This isn't to condemn people that have lived a certain kind of way and now have come to Christ. This is to instruct us how we're to live in Christ. Uh, all of us that have come from outside, we may have been involved in all sorts of things. And then we got saved. God is saying now that now that you belong to me, this is how I want you to live. So there is therefore now no condemnation to those of us that are in Christ Jesus who no longer walk after the flesh, but walk according to the spirit. Um, So we're not putting down your past. We're saying, hey, 
This is how we're called to walk now. And God is instructing us how we're to do it, how we're to walk, how we're to behave. I want to look at a section in 1 Corinthians 6. You can write it down in your notes. Uh, if, if you want, you can turn to it with us. I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11 and 15 through 20. Um, two, I believe, very important sections that deal with um, sexual immorality and God's heart uh, on it and how he feels about it. And so 1 Corinthians 6, first I'm going to read verses 9 through 11. It says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Right. So if you're not inheriting the kingdom of God, are you going to heaven? Nope. So now he gets a little more clear with who the unrighteous are. He says, don't be deceived. Neither fornicators. We talked about that sex outside of marriage or idolaters. Uh, those that are worshiping other things that are greater than God. Adulterers. Those that are cheating on their spouses or sleeping with married people. Homosexuals. Those that are sleeping with people of the same sex. Sodomites. Now, y'all know what that is. Nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And this, this is what he says this. And such were some of you. But you were washed. What do we, what do we get washed in, saints? The blood of Jesus. He said, but you were washed and you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. I love that. He said, look, this this list, if you're in, here's the thing. It's not if you stumble into these things, if you if you're not going to live this right, you can't practice any of these things as a lifestyle. You cannot be a drunkard. You can't be an ongoing idolater. You can't be a homosexual. You can't be a sexually immoral individual just living wild and crazy and expect that after you live like that, you're going to die and go to heaven. Paul said you will not. I think this is very important because I'm telling y'all there are I've, I've actually listened to pastors basically not even insinuate, say that that's old school. That's not like like as though, as though God is as though there's a new school God or there's a God for 2020. Y'all know the God of 2020 is the same God your great, 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 great grandmama had. He, he ain't changed his mind about none of these things. And so um, I think it's imperative that we look and say that's God's word. I can't mess with this. I can't rewrite this for y'all. This is what it says. This applies to all of us. I'm included. We can't live this life and we can't live in any of these things and expect to, to go to heaven. But it says this, right? I love the end part. He says, but such were some of you. Some of y'all were some of these things. He's talking to the Corinthian church. There were some people there that used to be gay, used to be out there in the club, used to be drunk, used to be. But but you got washed by the blood of Christ. You got born again. You were washed and you were sanctified. And you were justified in the name of the Lord and the spirit of our God. And so I know there's room at the cross for everybody. Amen. And so, but, but be clear, you, you had to get washed and sanctified and justified. You didn't get to keep living that way. You had to come get washed and set apart and justified in the name of the Lord. So that's what we call people to do. Don't think you're going to continue in it. You got to come out from it and God will wash you and he will justify you and sanctify you and claim you as his own and you will go to heaven, but you got to come out from it. Right. Uh, the next thing is, is verses 15 through 20, same chapter. It says, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Right. Because as believers, Christ lives in us. Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. So if, if a believer, right, Christian who Christ lives in goes and gets in the bed with some guy, you just joined Christ. You, you took Christ with you. Christ don't get out. He don't jump out of you and say, I'm, I'm going to wait till you get done. And uh, I'll catch you on Sunday when you repent. You know, he's there with you. Take him with you into 
whatever you're doing, right? And so um, he says, you make them members of a harlot. Certainly not. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Here's the application. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God and you are not your own? If you're a believer, you've been bought by the blood of Christ. You're not your own for you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And so here he says, look, God lives in you. Um, You are not your own. If you if you involve yourself in these things, you take Christ with you. Be mindful of that. And he reminds us here, look, you, you've been bought at a price, the blood of Jesus. Therefore, we should seek to glorify God in our body and in our spirit, which belong to God. So the four reasons why he gave the command for sexual purity in back in First Thessalonians are number one, because the Lord is the avenger of all such. Number two, because God did not call us to uncleanliness, but in holiness. Number three, it says, uh, it says, therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God. So if you reject these commands, these aren't man's commands. These are God's commands. So don't be looking at me saying, I, I disagree with what you said. No, no, no. You don't disagree with me. You just, I'm just saying what he said. I'm just reiterating the message to you that God said. So it's not me. It'd be God that you disagree with. So if you feel like you could stay you know, in whatever situation God said, God said, you reject these words. Paul said this to the Thessalonians. You don't reject me. You reject God. I'm just, I'm just relaying a message to you from him. And number four, who has also given us his Holy Spirit. This is the fourth reason. God said, I've given you a resource to overcome. And I want to, I want to really camp on this for just a second. So I'm sure there'll be people that are hearing this or will hear this that are maybe struggling with sexual sin. Uh, maybe someone's struggling in a relationship or struggling in pornography or struggling in some past thing. And, and again, it would never be the win for me to make you feel bad or to bring condemnation on a person. Uh, we want to bring victory out of this. Right. We, we got to identify what's wrong with sin. Um, and then so we can know what we're fighting for, wh- wh- where we need to seek a victory. But if someone is saying, man, this is I've been wrong in this area. I've been sinning in some kind of way here and I need I need to get out of this. Uh, This is the encouraging part. It says, God said, look, I've given you the Holy Spirit. I've given you a supernatural resource that is able to enable you to overcome your flesh. And I want to be very simple. I want to show you how it works. Right. So let's say you are here. You'd say, you know what? I'm struggling in my flesh. My flesh overcomes me in this area. I get convicted. I feel bad about it, but I, I seem to keep going back. I keep giving in. I keep doing the same thing. But God has given you the Holy Spirit. He's there. How do I get to a place where I'm victorious over the flesh? Paul said this in Romans chapter eight. He said, by the spirit, we put to death the deeds of the body. And this is how it works. This is how this is how that that works. The spirit is there to convict you, to lead you, to guide you to, you know, of, of everything. The, the Holy Spirit will be there saying, don't do that. Holy Spirit will be there leading you to do something that you're supposed to do. He's there. He's alive. You can yield to him. You can quench him. You can resist him or you can be filled by him to overflow. As I yield to the Holy Spirit, um, my flesh gets put in check. My flesh is being told what to do by the spirit in the same. It works. It works both ways. Let's say that for the longest 
The spirit of God is in you saying, don't do that. And you're like, ah, shut up. And you do it anyway. Your flesh has been just kicking the spirit in the teeth and your flesh is on roar. Your flesh is on swole. Look like he got out the pen. Um, that's your flesh has been just doing his thing. How do you put that back in its place? Fasting is one way, right? One of the reasons why we fast is uh, we have a natural appetite to eat. That's how we live. And so if you decide, you know what, for the next day or two or three days, I'm going to fast and pray. My body is going to say at whatever the normal eat times are, your body is going to say, hey, what's happening? Get, get in there and get me some of that, you know. And if for the spirit, for spiritual purposes, you say, no, I'm fasting today, telling you no. Um, it's an exercise of putting the spirit back in its proper place, putting the flesh in check. And the flesh is going to fight you and you're going to feel hungry and you may have hunger pains. You may get cranky or hangry or whatever they want to say, but you're just going to keep that in its place. It's an exercise in letting the spirit defeat the flesh. And so if you've been in the practice of letting your spirit be quenched and the flesh is on roar, you might want to take some time to fast and pray and get that thing put back in its proper order. And here's the simplest way. This has been my own experience, right? I believe that God gives us the we have to make the choice to do right. As you make the choice, God will supply the power. So like, let's say you make the decision that I, I got, I'm deciding today that I'm going to repent of this, but I know my flesh is weak in this area. I know that I haven't been successful in the past. I know that I struggle here, but I'm deciding today that I'm aligning myself with God. I agree with you, God. I should not be living like that. And I don't want to, I'm convicted about it. I'm, I'm going to leave here today, make new choices. You make the choice. God supplies the power. The one thing God won't do for you is take over your body and make the choice for you. As you make the choice, I promise you, God will supply all that you need in the way of his strength to continue in the right choice. But God wants you to make the decision. And for some of us, that's what we need to do. That We need to make new choices, new decisions. And you'll find as you do that the Holy Spirit, who's already been given, he's already on board. You'll find that he begins to be more powerful in your life to bring you into victory. And so I hope that's helpful to anybody battling. Um, but this is part of how we ought to walk, we ought to walk in purity. Now, there's another part to this. Look at verse nine. Uh, we're going to go through these pretty quick. Verse nine through 12, it says, but concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. And indeed, you do so toward all the brethren who are in all Macedonia. But we urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more. So, Paul says, look, another way, another aspect of our walk with the Lord is you, our walk ought to be characterized by love. Our walk as believers, we ought to love God and we ought to love one another. Paul is saying to them, it's not that y'all aren't doing it. Y'all are already doing this. I'm just encouraging you guys to, to grow more and more in this. I've been very blessed that our fellowship has, has that characteristic, that I watch people love on each other in a genuine Christ-like manner. I pray that we would continue to grow in that, that we would, we, would, we would never lose that, that we would just get better and better and better at being a Christ-loving, uh, one-another-loving sort of fellowship. And so Paul is saying, look, you guys don't have any need that I tell you this, but I'm just encouraging you to keep going in the direction you've been growing. Increase more and more. Verse 11 now, that you also aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business. That's a word for somebody. That you, that you aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your own hands as we commanded you. So 
This is important for believers because we live in a culture where, you know, people are minding everybody else's business. People got something to say about what everybody else is doing. There's some people that can't scroll through social. They can't help themselves. They got to say something about what everybody else is doing. God says, look, Christian, live a quiet life. Mind your business. Yeah, that's a, just, you need to tell that to someone. Write that verse down. Somebody that's nosy, give them a sanctified mind your business. You can give them this verse. Paul said, look, mind your business. Work with your own hands. Provide for yourselves. Verse 12, that you may walk properly toward those who are outside and that you may lack nothing. The last, uh, the last you know, thing on our how, how we ought to walk is our walk with God ought to be a witness to those that are outside. Notice what he says. He says, mind your business, work with your own hands. Why? Uh, walk properly toward those who are outside um, that you may lack nothing. Be, be careful how you walk towards non-believers. We got to be careful of that. As saints, we're, sometimes we can be good about loving each other and then we can be annoyed with our non-believing neighbors. We can be annoyed with the, the sinner people around us and not be as loving or as gracious. And he says, hey, be careful how you walk toward those who are outside. Um, we are trying to be a good witness to those that don't yet know the Lord. Amen. Uh, we, we hope that they, we hope they'll see something in us that would cause them to say, I, I want to join you. I want to be a believer as well. And some believers, unfortunately, are so good about letting us know what they're against that we don't even know what they're for. Some Christians only sound like they're against everything. Uh, I had somebody tell me that sounds like Christians. You guys are against this. You don't like that. You don't do this. Like they don't even know what we do do. All they know is they, what they know is what we are against. I, I think that's, that's a bad, that's a bad rap, right? They should know what we're for and what we're doing and what we're, you know, what we're putting forth. Um, so it does matter how we walk towards those outside. I'm going to walk through real quick, the six things about how we ought to walk and I'll wrap this up. Uh, number one on how we ought to walk was our walk with God should be progressing. We should be moving forward, making progress. Number two, our walk with God should be pleasing to him. Um, number three, our walk with God should be sexually pure. And we spent a lot of time on that. Um, number four, our walk ought to stand out from those who don't know the Lord. Those who don't know God, our walk should stand out. Number five, our walk ought to be characterized by Christ's love. And then number six, our walk ought to be a witness to those who are outside. So um, as we wrap this up today, uh, Paul's had a lot to say about a lot of things, but most of this section he dealt with purity. And I want to take a moment to pray for anybody that that, that may be a battle or a struggle. Um, we'll leave, you know, I'll, I'll say a few things, right? If you're battling or struggling, understand that you can, you can always reach out to us as a church. Um, we have male or female. We have someone that could do biblical counseling, spend time with you, walk with you. If that's an area of struggle or battle, don't be ashamed. Uh, and don't continue to struggle. Um, if you need help, reach out. There are people here who love the Lord and would love to walk with you through whatever you got to walk through. There are people that have, have had to grow out of sexual sin and bondage to things themselves and would love to walk with you in the same way. Um, and so if you need help, if you need prayer, if you need someone to just give you some verses or um, give you some practical steps, you can reach out. And um, there are people here who would, who would be more than willing to walk with you through that. Um, and then if you're listening and you don't know the Lord, um, yeah, I would invite you that that all these things are for believers. But there's a life that God wants to give you if you don't yet know him, if you're not yet in him. Um, you got bigger problems than all these little things. If you're outside of Christ, um, you're separated from God. And if you die in that condition, you would go to hell. God would spare you. He would save you. He would forgive you if you would just turn to him. And so as we pray now. 
I would invite both of those situations that, that we would turn to the Lord. Imagine a withered, seemingly dead houseplant that doesn't look like it will survive. You check on it daily. You give it water and make sure it's getting the right amount of sunlight. Then finally, it perks up. The life has returned to it. Your patience and love prevailed in revitalizing it to a healthy state. This is what Christ does for us, as we're reminded in 1 Thessalonians. Friends, we can be refreshed and restored instead of discouraged and tired. What a grand picture. There are many life-giving nuggets found in the Bible like this one, and so much more to learn about. That's why this ministry dedicates a space on our website to download the mobile app. This is a great tool to have because it allows you to hear the teachings of Jesus whenever and wherever you are. Head on over to calvaryinglewood.org and scroll down to the bottom of the page. There you'll find the information you need. Once again, that's calvaryinglewood.org. We'd be ecstatic for you to join us this coming Sunday if you're in the area. There's a service at 11 a.m. and for our early birds, a 9 a.m. service. Tied up on Sunday with other things? We understand. There's also a midweek gathering on Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. You can find the directions and other helpful information on our homepage, calvaryinglewood.org. Would you consider partnering with us to reach more people for Jesus? If so, just click on the Give tab and know that we're grateful for your generosity. Well, we're out of time for today. We look forward to the next time we're together, right here on A Transforming Word.